Welcome to Empowering Chats with Susan Burrell. This is where I help strong, capable women excavate the inner garbage in their life so they can become more confident and have more clarity on who they are and how they really want to be in the world. We have rich, juicy conversations about, yeah, you guessed it, empowerment, but also about radiating your brilliance and loving yourself more than you ever have in your life. And who doesn't want that? So join me now for another empowering chat. So I had the good fortune to meet this woman um, because I was a guest on her radio show. And we found we have a lot of commonality, a lot of what we practice and then what we teach if we're working with clients is very, very similar. And um, this woman is an author, a teacher, and a common sense activist. So I want to welcome Joffrey McClung. Thank you oh, for joining me. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be with you. So, uh, so the, the great thing is, um, then I got your book. Okay. And the book is called The Heart of the Matter. And it's a workbook, a workbook and guide to finding your way back to self-love. So Joffrey, I love that it's a workbook. We talked about this a little bit earlier. But because in my experience, people only transmute or well not only but they're going to have a better chance of transforming and transmuting and changing if they actually do the work you got to do the work people that's 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 common sense really people want change tell me what i can do tell me the affirmation i can do they'll change my life you got to get in there and do the work you got to look under the rocks dig the hole see what's been hidden you got to do the work susan yeah i agree and um and this book, you, it's your second book, but right. what you found after you wrote it is it really is kind of your first book. Um, so before we dive into the actual stuff about the book, which I love um, because it's all about self-love, everybody. Yes. <laughs> and, and that's my journey is learning how to love myself. But you, you were sharing with me that you, you had back-to-back deaths in your life of very close, close friends. And, and I think your mother, right? My mother, my best friend, my aunt, uh, and then my sister was the final death mm -hmm. all from, well, one was from Indy, but all from cancer. And it was literally in eight years of death, eight years of death that I thought I would never get out of, which is why I wrote the first book to get me out of that feeling that I have nothing to do. I'm done. That life is over. So I wrote the first book just to get my creative juices going again. Um, yeah, death will shake you to your core. And, you know, I, so I, I just want to stand and applaud you right here, right now, Joffrey, that, that you have continued on, that you did, mm -hmm. uh, do the inner work and, and the grieving. And, and we were joking, uh, before we came on air that <laughs> our spiritual practice is to cry our eyes out every morning. <laughs> And I, I found, because I lost my mother and then my uncle recently, her brother and, and oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. It's just, it, well, it's just is part of life, right? Because it's, it's, it, while it's an ending, it's a beginning. And, and for the, those of us that remain on planet earth, it could be an opportunity to really investigate who am I and why am I here? Right. 
Exactly. That's what I used it for because I was already kind of doing the self-love work beforehand. Literally the past 20 years, I was kind of delving into those areas. But when the death hit me, especially my mother waiting for her to die, I really got into the work because what else was I going to do? Just grieve and not move forward. So I think when you have troubles or darkness around you, that's when you do the homework because when life's good, you're not going to look inward. You're going to enjoy life. You're going to go have a buffet. You're going to go have a cocktail. But when it's dark, that's when you do the homework. So mm -hmm. that's eight years I did the homework. Yeah. And I've been um, investigating uh, past life, uh, uh, past life regressions and mm -hmm. what what is uh, in the afterlife and, and every, all, everything that I'm hearing within my meditations, but also reading is that we're here. We come as souls for the contrast. For the, oh, that's a lovely way of saying it. Yes, I, I, I got to tell you, I don't like it. I don't <laughs> don't like it either. I want to yell at him up there, but I get right. it. It's like why? But because otherwise, the the soul doesn't have a, a growth point, uh, you know, or an oomph push to to grow and evolve or learn the lesson that we said yes I'll, I'll sign up to do that lesson now you know so we don't do it unless there's a contrast unless there's like you said the light and then the darkness well I wrote a, a movie way back way back I did a short movie with my best friend who did die of cancer and it was about us being in the afterlife planning our next life and we were complaining about how our lives had gone so far she had been murdered I had had this I had died in childbirth whatever and we were complaining and I said, why can't we remember some of this stuff when we come down? And then I had a character who was playing the, I guess, the higher self in a sense. So because you won't learn if you know everything when you go down there, you've got to forget it so you can find it again. So I get it, but I'm really mad about it, but I yeah. get it. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, there's, yeah. So really then it is about, and I, I hate this part too, Joffrey, it is about picking yourself up dusting yourself off right and finding start that resilience that yeah. resilience and when you're dealing with death it's hard to find that you gotta you have to grieve there's no buts about it you're gonna have your depression you're gonna have your anger you're gonna have all those different modes you go into but when you're in that grief period if you can use it to look within and say, okay, where am I doing what I used to complain about this person used to do to me? Like in the book, the first book I said, where do you control? Because somebody's dying from cancer, you cannot control it. So you do the homework, then at least you have something you can control. And that's your inner work because yeah. the outside world's falling apart around you. Yep. Well, and even if you don't, I just got to say, even if you don't have somebody dying currently with you, it kind of does seem like the outside world's falling apart a little bit. So instead of trying, <laughs> instead of trying to control it and make it different, it, it, it is, I mean, I really feel in the last several years, we, we as human beings across the globe have been called to do this deep inner spiritual work. And it's not about uh, oming on a mountaintop to me. It's about diving deep, finding out why I am the way I am and how, how to love myself more. So, I think it's all about how you love yourself. I think is. the whole journey, I've done the whole thing. I did the past life work. I did, I, I've done uh, shadow work. I've done it all. But after I did it all, I still had issues. And it wasn't until I got to the self-love work and began to do that work and begin to actually like myself. And I liked myself, but really fall in love with myself that my world opened up. Now, when things happen that are 
crapola, I will use the, the French word crapola, uh, <laughs> or the Spanish word crapola, you know how to deal with it. You know, you right. can go inward, find some love within you, because I tell everybody self-love is about finding the love within yourself, not trying to get it from the outside world. If you do get it from the outside world, that's the cherry on top. Right. That's it's yeah. already getting it from yourself. That's what right. I discovered. So that's what the heart of the matter, your book is about. Um, so the, so first of all, I want to talk about the components of self-love. So I'm kind of skipping around. Oh, that's fine. I'll go wherever you want to go, Susan. <laughs> okay. Because so part of how Joffrey's built her book, everybody, is she asks questions. So she wants you to investigate and ask the deep questions and maybe questions you never thought of and, and mm -hmm. really, really speak your personal truth about it. So you have um, three components of self-love, but you have everybody define what self-love is to them first. Yeah, they have to go through the question. The reason I do the questions, those are questions I asked myself in meditation. When I was in pain, whether I was living in New York and had returned back to Texas, I asked myself all those questions in the book because I needed to, I needed to know the answer because I wanted change within me. Mm -hmm. And I knew I had to do the work. So those questions are for you to answer. But the trick is you've got to be brutally honest with yourself. You cannot say the answer you want people to hear. You have to say the truth of the answer. I think self-love is selfish. Be honest with yourself. Okay, who told you that? And how did that work for them? Did it improve their life to say self-love is selfish? I don't think so. That's why I have those questions. You've got to be brutally honest. Yeah, and I, I agree. You know, when I was going through um, my contentious divorce, AKA deep awakening, heart shatter, deep awakening. And I, and I realized I didn't love myself. I, I don't think I could have answered some of those questions. Like what is self-love to me? Because I, I didn't even know. I had quite been, it had not been modeled in my family of origin to, to love thyself. Right. I don't think most people have that in their family of origin. They say, be kind to yourself. Don't talk that way. Maybe I've heard that. Don't talk that way to yourself, mm -hmm. but that was the gist of it. it wasn't about falling in love with yourself and loving who you are and who you're trying to become and doing, doing all of that work. So I think you're not alone. I don't think most families teach us to, to love ourselves. Oh my gosh. And so that's the, that's the journey of your book is mm -hmm. getting, getting down and dirty with yourself. And so then how, so how do people learn to love themselves, Joffrey? Well, you got to do the homework. So you got to be, I think, unfortunately it tends to come when you're in darkness because mm -hmm. if you're in joy, you're not going to look inward. But if you're if you keep hitting the same issues again and again, it's time to look inward and looking inward, being truthful with yourself. Meditation. I talk about meditation. I just say closing your eyes and focusing your attention. That's all meditation is to me. Other people do other things, but that's what it is to me. It's getting to know what you really think about yourself, listening to those inner committees going on in your head. You're stupid. You're not smart enough realizing, okay, I have an inner committee that doesn't like me so much, finding that out and just taking notes of that will begin the journey and saying, I want to learn to love myself. And I swear to God, your guides and your higher self will find ways to get you the books or the meditations or the seminars, whatever you need to keep on your journey. At least it did it for me. So when, excuse me, one of the things you talked about in meditation, because you have a chapter on meditation, which I love, mm -hmm. um, because that's my deal I do is meditation. But because you just said meditation is going within and focusing, but focusing your attention. Yeah. Focusing your attention. But what, what I read in your book, which I was like, that's what I do. I do that. Uh, is, um, of course you do, focus, Susan. <laughs> focus your imagination. 
is what you said. And, and, and that's what I find for me is I, I don't go when I meditate and I meditate daily, sometimes twice a day, sometimes in, in the grocery line, because going on, (laughs) calm yourself Um, down. Right. But uh, what I do is I, I, my mind doesn't quiet. It, it, my not my mind never quiets. I can't get focused on when I, but what I focus on is this inner guidance system, which I think is the imagination you're mentioning that guides me to the question I need to ask or answer guides me to um, an inner experience where I'm actually working with spirit guides or archangels or guides me to working with some sacred geometry who mm-hmm. knew oh yeah oh yeah that that then helps me release the the hooks of the uh past or the belief systems or you know the generational stuff so well, i think i'm sorry go ahead i no, think so the imagination is vital in the homework that's why i included in my meditation chapter and then i talk about the meditations throughout the book that i did in each you know in each chapter because i used my imagination you're going to find the love by using your imagination your higher self's going to talk to you by using your imagination you cannot think your way there in a way in a way where you have to feel your way there and your imagination's how you do that so i think you were an actor. I was an actor. I think we have a little bit of a head start to some people who weren't actors using our imagination, but we all were given this gift yes. of the imagination. We either use it to create worry and concern and fear, which we all tend to do at times, or we can use it to go and find the love within, joy, peace, whatever you want to, the other opposite things of love, fear, and you know, despair. Uh, I really think imagination is something we need to stress to people more and more to use to find love. Yes. I, I, and I'm, I'm in a complete agreement with you, Jeffrey. And, and so would you say that when you're focusing in meditation, when you're focusing, using your imagination, Mm -hmm. does it help your, here's what I'm hearing as you were saying that it helps by not, well, I'm going to say it helps bypass the ego where the ego is the thing that's the control freak running around going, no, 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 you can't. Right. So, so it does kind of help calm that ego down or something. Wouldn't you say? Oh, I think the imagination kind of bypasses the ego when you're really in your imagination. That's the trick getting out of the controlling your imagination through your ego. But once you get into the imagination and let pictures fly to you in meditation, let images come to you, let feelings suddenly come from behind. That's how I met my higher self was. I was in a meditation saying, I want to see her. I want to see her. I want to see her. And I was just breathing. I was, I was in my lovely space. I'm seeing the trees waving at me. Hello. It's like, hello trees. And all of a sudden I felt a breeze come across and touch me on one side of my face. And it was so full of love. And it was literally two seconds was all I felt, but it was so full of love. I said, that's my higher self. Because I was using my imagination, not trying to control it and see her, seeing her. So I think imagination is really a great tool to open you up to what you have inside of you. And you, again, I'll say it, I'll say it again. We have everything we need already inside of us. We don't need to look outside of us for all of our answers. We actually have it inside of us. We have to do the work though, like you said. Right. Got to do the work. You have to uncover the societal uh, Mm -hmm. veils and Mm -hmm. the family of origin belief systems that keep that inner guidance or wisdom and your higher self uh, hidden. You know, like I totally agree with you. It's there all the time. We just forgot 
or we forgot we had, our tools. <laughs> right. Or we had it manipulated and mentally, emotionally, maybe even physically beaten out of you in a sense. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I think definitely. Uh, but luckily, since we were actors, we grabbed hold of that energy and kept our imagination alive. We didn't know we were going to need it to do right. our in our work years later, right. but we did. And I, my, all my friends who are doing the work now, I said, that's the reason you are an actor. You have an imagination. Use it to find the love, people, or use it to find the answer, whatever you need. But you need to use your. I had a friend who was trying to find his higher self. And I said, you're, you're trying to think it through. And I said, why don't you just play with it like a play? And just make it up in your mind in meditation. And, and sure enough, he came, and it was Mother Mary who appeared to him. He was he's from Mexico originally, and Mother Mary's a big deal. Mother Mary came to him and he goes, gosh, you just loved me. That was my higher self. And I said, well, that works for me. If it works for you, it works for me. You know? Right, right. Just use your imagination. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so then also, <laughs> so let's go further on to uh, the, the path of self-love, because that's meditation. That's using the imagination, but there's something else. Um, you have people. Okay. I'm going to read the questions and okay. <laughs> just few of the questions. So uh, what is self-love? What does it mean to be lovable? What does it mean to know you are a loving person? <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, and what does it mean to know you are loved? And I remember when I was investigating and learning how to love myself, I didn't see myself as a lovable person because I, again, well, I mean, yeah, I was, I was emotionally battered. So I couldn't even understand that anybody could love me. So how could I love me if nobody else could? So, so then having people answer these questions about how do I know if I'm lovable? How do I, uh, learn to love myself? Those are, those are powerful questions. Well, I think the trick with, um, Okay, lovable. We'll talk about lovable because that was a tough one for me to all of them are things I did. I mean, that's why they're in the book. Lovable, worthy, that you are worthy of love. That's mm -hmm. what it means to be lovable. You are worthy of love, not for what you've done, not for what you will do, but because you are you, period. So once I got that, and of course you, you had to cry it out that you've missed that for so long. I spent many months crying that out, but eventually you get it and go, I am worthy of love. And suddenly it hits your heart and it gets locked in. Take some work. Won't happen the first meditation or the second meditation. Yeah. Keep saying worthy just means that you are worthy. We're made worthy of love and nothing you can do will change that. That's the other thing. Nothing you can do will ever change that. Nothing you say, nothing you do. And once you get that and you say, yeah, those people who did this to me, you know, you were wrong. <laughs> so worthy of love is a tough one, but it's a good one. We're all lovable. We all I, are. Whether another human being ever loves you again, you are lovable. Yes. And I, and I totally agree. And that goes back, then that loops to me back to the high, our higher self, self, our angels, our spirit guides, because they all love us unconditionally. They're there all the time. They got our back. They got our front. They got, you know, our sides, our top, yeah, yeah. Exactly. they got everything. And we're the ones, you know, running around like a gerbil on a wheel going, I don't love myself. I don't love myself. I, the trick with unconditional, again, a meditation, that's a tricky one to find too. What's unconditional love feel like? Because most of us don't have it except perhaps with our animals or if you have a baby, of course you feel unconditional love for the baby. But some of that goes away later on in life, I have to say. The baby may grow up, he may not love them as much. But, right. but in general, unconditional tends to be towards our pets. We love them unconditionally. 
But what do you mean unconditional love? Again, that's something you have to explore in meditation. What does that feel like? My higher self, I have guys who used to circle around me and cheer me on. And, yay, yay. And I was just go, well, thank you. I felt so honored and loved. And I thought, that's unconditional love. And sometimes when I was really down, they would come and wrap their arms around me. And the angels would be full of, uh, the trees would be full of angels. And sending oh. me kisses. And I thought, wow, okay, that's unconditional too. So you teach yourself through your imagination what is unconditional. Because every book we've ever read, every religious testament in the entire world talks about unconditional love and then they put reasons why you lose it but in general unconditional love is part of our path so you got to explore that in your meditation what does that feel like i use images of applauding you know because that's mm -hmm. my background mm -hmm. but it, it's quite wonderful really yeah. so lovable is we're all worthy we're all worthy you just have to get to that truth and quit looking at at it coming from another human being self-love is about loving yourself and then everybody else can love you too. Right. And I would go so far as to say that the unconditional love piece is the truth of our soul all the time anyway. And when we are born, we go into that amnesia, that forgetfulness, right? Mm -hmm. Of uh, that I am loved. And, and that goes back to the darkness, having the darkness you know, to give you the contrast so you can learn whatever else you're supposed to be learning. Well, you were saying you, your husband, you know, had kind of made you not feel worthy of love, the, the relationship. My sister had done that for me from the time I was born. I think we set these things up for ourselves. I finally got it. It took me a long time to get it, but I finally got it. We set these things up. I came here to learn how to love myself. So I gave myself a sister who took it away from me and beat the hell out of it out of me so that I could have a reason to go and find it. Mm -hmm. I'll say I did my job this life. I give myself, and I've already told the other side when I come over, they better throw a big party for me. Uh -huh. I went deep and dark. You know? yes. But I, I, we, we, you gave yourself the husband for that reason too. It's horrible, but you did. So yeah. you could find yourself love. Yes, I am absolutely, absolutely agree with you. And I, I got the added benefit of um, finding another relationship that is like, 180 degree opposite Perfect. of the first relationship because there is love, there's kindness, respect, joy, all Tenderness, that. Yeah. Yes, all that stuff. And um that I didn't I didn't get to have. So I and I'm just saying that out loud, everybody that's listening, because you know, Joffrey and I have gone through some dark places and and, mm -hmm. and we've worked our way out. And and in working in learning to love yourself more than you ever have in your life, learning to um, recognize that you are lovable and, and unconditionally you are lovable, then that draws, that's the magnet, right? That's the magnetism that draws to you uh, experiences of happiness and joy, experiences of delight. Delight. So, yeah. yeah. I'm in totally agreement. I'm totally agreement with you. I, I think the thing with, um, I think, I think I heard somebody say recently, I'm not going to take credit for this, but they said your whole journey down here, if you do one thing in this entire life and you actually learn to love yourself, you've changed the world. And I actually believe that because I know that when I learned to love myself and I did the inner work on my inner orphans who desperately needed love and attention and listening to and all of that, I quit 
projecting it out onto other people. I quit playing my shadow onto other people. I healed my own shadow by healing my inner orphans. If we all do our own little piece of our own inner work, we can shift this world. And I do believe that's what we're doing now, in all honesty. It may be painful to see what's going on out in the world, but I do think we are shifting it to a lighter way. Whether I'll be here in this body or another body, we are shifting it. Yes, the light is stronger. I'm so appreciative that you're saying that because that that shines the light of hope that so many people don't necessarily have right now. No, we are definitely having more light, which is why the dark is yelling. It's mm-hmm. the only reason the dark is yelling because I know the light is stronger now mm-hmm. and their time is limited. Mm-hmm. So just keep your faith, keep doing your inner work and keep looking for your sense of self-love. And, you know, maybe look inward and find a little orphan that needs a little loving. I think if you could find one orphan inside of you that needs some loving, that could really propel you forward. Okay. So let's talk about the orphans because okay, when, I knew I was when, I read, when, when I read that in your book, Joffrey, I was like, Oh, I just love that because I did, I did so much inner child work last mm-hmm. year on myself, but the word, and I got chills just running up and down my spine. The word orphan actually describes it better because it's that part that got left behind or ignored uh, or shoved aside or shamed. Yeah. Yeah. Disassociated. Uh, And we all have pieces of them. Sometimes we have three or four or five of of them stuck in the past, usually from the age of about three till about 12 or 13. And I had about five and they would kind of go into each other. As I did more meditation, they would kind of combine, but I had about five that I had to deal with. And your inner orphans are those stuck in the past in pain or fear and are still loving that, still living that pain or fear. People react. I have friends who still react from their inner orphans. I can't tell them everything because it's not my journey. It's their journey. But something I kind of want to grab them and say, quit putting it on me. It's your homework. You know, it's not about me. It's about you. But uh, your inner orphans just need to be listened to. Number one, I had a friend who was starting to work with their inner orphan. She goes, well, she's just a brat. And I said, well, where did you get that word from? She goes, well, that's what my mom used to call me. I said, interesting. You might want to look at that first. Oh, (laughs) my gosh. Your inner orphan. Yeah, I had one who just yelled at me for like stood in the middle of of, around the trees and just yelled at me and shouted. And so I let her yell at me every time I went. And eventually I showed up. So I hear you. I'm sorry. That's horrible. Just listen. And eventually she sat down and started talking to me, but she yelled at me the first 10 meditations I did with her. You're going to have different orphans. I had another one that was like maybe about five years old, four years old, that was living in a cave, all dirty and disheveled, you know, so frightened. And I just sat next to her and I put my hand out every time I went, I took me a few meditations. She crawled into my lap. She just needed to be loved. The one yeah. yelling at me needed to be heard. Heard, right? I had some things that needed to be. I needed to switch some of her beliefs around that she's still still carrying. But your inner orphans teach you how to love yourself because you end up loving these inner orphans, talking them through. Oh, you're. I'm so sorry. I forgot about you. I will never forget you again. I'm going to be with you every moment. I'm going to leave you with an angel till my till I come back in my neck. You start to love them that way. You're actually loving yourself. Yes. So I found as I worked with my inner orphans, I was learning how to love myself. Yes. And, and that's brilliant. I just, I'm so grateful that you use that phrase. I, I, if it's okay with you, I'm going to borrow it. I'll go right ahead. In, I have no, no control makes, over that stuff anymore. <laughs> it makes more sense than inner child. Cause the inner child, I always see this cute, sweet little girl. Who's the reason why they're, they're disassociated or upset or whatever is because they aren't sweet and 
you know, they, they're they hurt and they interfere. Yeah. So I think, yeah, you can use inner orphan. That's what, and I think Matt, I think the inner child tends to take me more to the magical child, which Ooh. I work with now. And she's very Ooh. cute. And she always gives me a kitten when she arrives, gives me another because we love animals, gives me a kitten. I say, okay, I got a kitten. So that inner child, that that inner child, I think tends to mean more magical child in my mind. But inner orphan tells you exactly who they are. They have been abandoned by you and they need to be brought back. Because once you bring them back, like I worked with one and I said, okay, now, you know, I said, you're loved, you're going to be safe. No one's going to hurt you anymore. And I had to do this over and over in meditation. Eventually she began to believe me because I showed up every time, hugged her and loved her. And she goes, okay. And I said, and we've got a higher self with us. who's going to watch you too. And I said, what would you like to do most? Because I'd like to go to theater camp. She was only five or six. I said, well, let's, you go to theater camp. I'll take care of this world. Your job is over with because they're in charge. If you have inner orphans, they're in charge of your life too. And you do not need them to be in charge of your life. Not anymore. Oh, Lord have mercy. You don't need them in charge of your life. (laughs) I had a, I I started also doing, when I was doing my inner child work, um, I started doing it in increments of fives to, you know, to, Mm -hmm. to kind of get real specific to the each, each feeling tone or episode or whatever. And, um, and, and I also used EFT while I was doing it, which is tapping everybody. Yeah, I did some, I haven't done a lot, but I took a couple of classes. I get it. I like it. Oh my God. So I, I, you know, when, when there was a particular, uh, stubborn streak, which, Hey, I'm a Scorpio and a redhead. Oh yes, you are. (laughs) So I, I would use the EFT. And I remember I got to my mid twenties and the, the young woman literally said, no, you know, put her hand up, no, and turned her back on me. And she said, you are not, we are not having a conversation. I was like, mm-hmm. okay, we'll just go away. <laughs> and I'm tapping my brains. out, going, I don't know what that is. And it took me, um, I left her alone for a while. I went back into meditation. I don't know, maybe a month later, are you ready now? And I had to just stand there and be present with her be, while she just oozed shame mm. and self-hatred because my mid-20s is when I married my ex-husband. There you go. And, and I knew, but I didn't listen. And she was ashamed. And so what we did is we did the EFT together and I guided her through oh, tapping cool. as she was crying and then I'm crying. And of then course. eventually we, we were able to integrate because she was able to see that, you know, she did the best she could and she really didn't do anything wrong. She Nothing was, wrong. she was gaslighted and, and, and manipulated. And, and, and I'm speaking that out loud for everybody because Oftentimes we think if we're going to go within and do this inner work, we're going to find this big, dark, ugly monster. That's us. And, <laughs> mm-hmm. and that's not necessarily true. It, it, we might find the remnants of the person we were that was done unto, you know, exactly. You said that perfectly. Well, like I said, the one that was screaming, she was like 10 or 11, just screaming at me, having a little tantrum. So I let her have the tantrum, you know, and kept coming back. Let her, one more tantrum. I'm listening and I'm sorry. Give it to me. She give it to me. I think it's that listening you did. And the fact you shared the tapping with her because that resonates with you, that worked for you. And then you were able to bring her home. And then once you bring them home, then go to theater camp <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to yeah. be in charge of your life anymore. Yeah. Yeah. 
Did, and when you when you did that, Joffrey, did you feel personally at this age and stage you were at, did, did at, things begin to really feel lighter? Oh, every meditation felt lighter, even though those that I cleared in, that I just cleared my pain, didn't even do any deep meditation or any changing inside, just cleared my pain and then ended it with by being loved by my higher self, arms around me, or Aww. sometimes she'd be so large, I'd crawl into her lap and put my head down in her lap. I always got love at the end of the meditation. And that always made me lighter because I was adding more love. Yes, it was love for my higher self, but I was taking what was in pain and making it with love. And that's why I tell anybody that I talk to or, or my clients or whoever, it's all about finding love, whether it's your higher self or you. So if you're clearing, I would clear and I would just wrench stuff out. In the, I'd take yeah. a hot tub in New York. It was cold in the winter, get in a hot tub and just ball my eyes out. But I ended it with a bit of love. Maybe I just put my head and she stroked my hair, but it felt so loving to me. And that began to build up so I could turn to my inner orphans because I hadn't received it from my higher self through right. my imagination. Right. And I was able to offer it to my little ones and stroke their hair or hug them or tickle them, whatever they needed, because I was getting it from my higher self. The imagination is a big circle. It's really quite amazing. You know, I almost when you said a big circle, I, 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 it's what people in new age talk about the spiral you know and you're oh, on yeah. the spiral and and then you get to the next level of this uh, yeah it, it is all that big it's a circular motion uh, energy motion circular energetic um mm -hmm. that's a good word yeah that has no beginning and no end right so so it is that thing much larger than us that that consciousness of oneness Mm -hmm. where there is only love. And as, as we begin to find the, the love within, we become more at one, more connected and unified with a higher field of consciousness. And that's, there's no spiraling to it. It's not a corkscrew thing. Everybody. Oh, no, I don't. I, I think that's just somebody made that up and they, they went with it or something. I don't know. <laughs> but when I said circle, I just meant circle in a sense, my higher self was showing me love. But at the same time, I was doing that through my own imagination, using my own head. And I was giving. So there was a circle. And that's why I tell my friends, OK, if you're not able to give it to your inner orphan, you need to create your imagination and give it to yourself and your higher self first. Then you'll know what it feels like. And that's, that's so smart. What it feels like it's right. all about feelings right at least for me I came in I'm a cancer and so uh -huh. obviously it's all about feelings for me but it's all about feelings and it just is so important to feel what love feels like versus making a list what could they oh. you know so and so was kind to me no what does it feel like when you just are giving it to yourself Sometimes it's arms wrapped around me. Sometimes it's, I will go, I've been working, connecting with God, God is all it is. I just, whatever you want to call it. I call it God, God is all it is. Working, connecting with that energy. And I'll stand in a golden light and I'll say, oh God, you know, whatever I'm feeling. And I'll feel this energy. And then I'll start to feel these weird little things around me. And I'll just feel so loved that I'm just so delighted that it just gets me joyful. And then my head gets into it and then I'm done. But right. during that moment before my head gets into it, I'm just so delighted and joyful that I think this is cool. And that's just my imagination saying, I want to connect with God. God is all it is, whatever you want to call it, the universe. That is really quite, quite amazing. Once you get out of your head and open your heart, it's right. all about the heart work. It's all, which is the name of the book, <laughs> the heart of the matter. 
How brilliant is that, Joffrey? Well, again, I would rename that book because there's a thousand books with that title. I would not do that again. But it is the heart of the matter. I realized it was all about the heart work, not the brain work. The brain work we do through the questioning. Why do I feel this way? Did it work for them? Did it improve their lives? And why am I carrying their belief forward in my life? All those questions are your brain work. But the real work is shifting it in your heart. Because once you shift it in your heart, your brain will follow. I know it's the opposite that what a lot of people say, but I do believe that. At least yes, it did I, in my life. I, I absolutely agree with you. It's, it is, um, to me, all the work is in the heart, not, not the head. And, um, and we had talked earlier about both of us being um, reformed control freaks. Oh, yes. you know? <laughs> and, but that's, you know, I can now recognize when that control behavior kicks in because I'm jammed in my head and it's my head telling me this is the way it's supposed to look. And this is how you're supposed to do it. And, you know, I'm shaking my finger, everybody, because that's how the ego gets manips, manipulates you into not listening to your inner guidance system at times. Well, your inner guidance system's right there in the heart. I talk about in the emotional section, which is one of the largest chapters in the book, that your inner guidance is your emotions, but the emotions come from your heart. Now, that's why you need to bring your, your emotions back into balance, which is why we go and heal the inner orphans, change the negative beliefs that got you stuck in a certain patterns so that you can be emotionally balanced and hear that little ding, oh, that may not be a good way for me to go. Versus hearing a ding because your ego is saying something. Yeah, yeah. It just says, beware, you know, and it's really lying to you. Your ego always lies to you, people. I'm going to tell you the truth. Your ego is always lying to you. Do not believe your ego. But uh, you do have that inner, that inner guidance system. I call it through the emotions, but that's why you got to be in balance. Mm-hmm. So that you can know, okay, this is a really a good whisper versus I'm so out of balance. Everything is being triggered at the moment. Right, right. So yeah, I'm agree with you. I agree with everything you say, Susan. <laughs> We could have written the same book. (laughs) Possibly. Um, So I have a question for, uh, for people that don't, okay. Like myself um, who have never been in touch with their emotions. Cause that, that was me. I really, I wasn't in touch with my anger. I wasn't in touch with my grief. You know, I would go to a medium and she'd go, Oh, you have so much grief. I'm like, I, I don't know where it is, you know, but it was when my heart was broken, shattered, that all these emotions was all of a sudden I had to deal with them. It was like the swirl of a whole bunch of stuff. So, so for what would you say to somebody who's not really ever been in touch with their emotions? They're, they're yeah. just all in their head. Okay. Well, you got to be in touch with, you're going to be in touch with your emotions at some point in your life. Like you said, you suddenly had something happen and you were bombarded with emotions. I think the trick with emotions is to give yourself, first of all, permission to have them because a lot of us have been taught not to have them. Uh, Don't cry. Don't do this. You know, all those stupid things that we've heard. So you've got to give yourself permission to be emotional and you've got to give yourself permission to be emotional alone. You don't need to dump your emotions on other people, especially if you've never dealt with your emotions in the past. You've been somebody who stayed in your head most of your life. Uh, When your emotions start to rise, you're going to want to put them on everybody. (laughs) So I say, first of all, do your emotional work alone. You might like I did my emotional work on my sister alone. Yes, I had things I needed to say to my sister. Was she going to hear me? No. So I did it in meditation and I just vented and raged and anger. It took me a while to get to my anger because my sister was so full of anger 
that I avoided my anger. Right, right, right. Because that was one energy that frightened the heck out of me. And mm-hmm. she would just go nutty. I don't mean that cruelly. I mean, I'm blessed her and I love her. And I'm, I know she's on the other side now, but she went nutty when she got angry. So I would say, do it alone. Do not mm-hmm. put it on other people. Own that you have the right to be emotional. Your emotions are really your power. That's the trick. Your mind's not really your power. It's your emotions that are your power. Uh, Whether it's negative emotions that create negative things in your life or positive emotions that create positive things. It's your emotions that are creating your life. Mm -hmm. So you definitely want to get in touch with your emotions. So I'd say close your eyes alone and begin to look at the emotion that uh, you've been avoiding the most. Because that's the one that needs to be looked at the Ooh. most. Ooh. So that's anger, big none. yeah, anger is where I had to look. So it took me a while. I would kind of, <laughs> and then finally I raged and I raged for a few months in my meditations. Then I would do some inner work or inner, inner orphan work, but I raged because I needed, I had stuffed it down for, from the time I was born until yeah. I left the house. Yeah. So I'd say, just give yourself permission and do it alone. And end every meditation, if you're raging, especially if you're raging, with a bit of love. That's why I say do your love work first. Get some piece of little love inside of you before you deal with your emotions. Whether you imagine an angel, Mother Mary, Jesus, Buddha, whoever you need to imagine, loving you and holding you and kissing you. I used to have my higher self come and kiss me all over my face. I felt so loved when she did that. I thought, oh, this is so sweet. It made me feel so loved. Then I could go and be rageful. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) And then she would end it by stroking my hair and loving me. So get a little piece of love, make it up in your imagination. Does it feel loving? And that and it may only be two seconds. And that's enough in the beginning. Yeah. Two seconds of love and then give yourself permission to feel what you're afraid to feel. The anger, yeah. the rage, the terror. A lot of people are afraid to feel their terror. And that's where I have found uh, huge senses of liberation, feelings of just being free of what, when I face the stuff that I was so either I was taught not to do, you know, like mm-hmm. angry or, um, or have feelings. But once I really began to own my feelings, like you're talking about Joffrey, I, I, I just was feeling better and better and better. And, um, and now when I feel a little low or depressed, um, I, I take time. I'm kinder. I'm gentler. I take time mm-hmm. with myself. I'm not like, come on, get up there. You put your boots on and you know, whatever it was, my family of origin. Yes. I hear you. I know yeah, what you're yeah, doing. Yeah. yeah. So um, you're kind with yourself. You're gentle with yourself. That's, that's, you know, it's your self-love work. That's the trick. Yeah. That's why, it, but you did your emotional homework too. You've dealt with your anger and your rage and your, what was happening in your past, you know, with your ex-husband, yeah. you dealt with it. So I would say just Find a little piece of love, give yourself permission to feel your emotions, and then find the one that you're most afraid and go and close your eyes and try to feel it. And then, and, and then the, the key piece you're, you're saying, I just want to say for everybody is make sure you end in love. Always in every meditation. I don't care if they're joyful meditations, sad meditations, anger meditations, or just homework meditation. End it with, uh, I mean, just a minute of love is all you need, but give yourself a minute or even 10 seconds. In the beginning, it was 10 seconds was all I could hold. Mm-hmm. And that was enough because I felt lighter. Mm-hmm. And I was adding more love back into my body, into my heart and saying, this is the goal is love. And and I just want to say to everybody who's listening, if you've had... Um, bouts of depression and suicidal thoughts because right. uh, I've been there uh, that this what Joffrey's talking about is ending with love will help support you 
through so that you don't um, uh, go backwards into those those. You don't get in a loop, a loop of that energy you just released. That's why I say whatever you're releasing, and even if you're doing a joyful meditation, oh, and and joyful, you don't really need it. You're in joy. You don't need the love. Your joy is love. But if you're doing a meditation and you're clearing sadness or hurt or pain or fear, whatever it is, if you take that one minute or 10 seconds even and add love, you're basically setting your vibration higher, as we've talked about, raising your vibration. But the main thing is you're adding love to your heart and you're lightening the load you've been carrying. Yeah. We all carry so much that we've carried from childhood forward. You're yeah. lightening the load and you're saying, hey, this, I do feel better. Yeah, I, I raged about my sister for 35 minutes in the tub, but that 10 seconds of love really lightened me. I can do that again tomorrow. And eventually what will happen, believe it or not, people, you may rage for a month. You may, I raged really probably for three months. I did other work in between, of course, but I raged for about three months raging that eventually it goes away. You're done. So if you're having rage or fear or terror, whatever it is, it will go away. That's why you end it with love so that you can give yourself that impetus to say, okay, I feel a little better. I can do this again tomorrow or the next day. Because if you keep doing the homework, like we said, do the homework, you will shift something, but you got to do the work, people. You can't do one meditation, say I'm done. Right. Like a hundred of them. Right. And, 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 and that's what some people, that's what a lot of people do. So it's consistency. It's um, focused at, with allowing your imag- imaginations mm-hmm. backslash higher self to lead you. Oh, with definitely. Love, with love. Yeah. Into love. Exactly. We are pieces of love. We're just trying to remember that we're pieces of love having this human experience. Or I like to say we're pieces of, I know people like to say we're pieces, spiritual pieces. I say we're pieces of the divine having a human experience that we've forgotten and we forgot it on purpose. I'm not happy about that, but we forgot it on purpose so we could find our way back. Which we're doing now. You found self-love. I'm I found self-love. I'm now trying to create more things outwardly. Because my self-love is pretty solid now. So I'm feeling, and if I do hit that sad moment or that blue or what I call, sometimes I'll get that existential loneliness mm. wash over me. Mm-hmm. I'm like, whoa. I say, okay, that's a clue. I need some loving. And I'll look back and say, you know, I haven't done any loving in the last three days. That's why I've got this existential loneliness starting. I'll go into a meditation. I'll get applause. I'll get cheers. I'll get hugs, whatever. And it will go away. Because oh, I'm that's so wonderful. Use your imagination, say, and if you get the uh, existential loneliness almost did me in during the grief because it just came on to me. And I felt like it was in this void of darkness and nothing I could hold on to. Uh, but that little tiny 10 seconds of love pulled me through each time. And I was doing the homework. And eventually, so I say, if you're doing emotional work, it will go away. Whatever you're afraid to feel, feel it fully. 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 You've got to, that's why you've got to do it alone, people. Because you do not need to dump it on anybody. It's about you feeling it alone and being as rageful and angry and or fearful or sad and depressed and existential that you need to be so you can release it. And that's why you end it with the 10 seconds of love or one minute if you're lucky. If you're lucky. <laughs> Didn't take me, it took me a long time to get to one minute. But 10 seconds can do the same thing. So Joffrey, where can people find your book, at, both of your books? Well, they can go to my website, which is Joffrey McClung. And uh, they can get it there and then go to Amazon, uh, Barnes and Noble. They can really get it in many different places. But my website has it. You can click on there and you can buy it there. 
Okay. And that all that will be in our show notes. But Joffrey also has a radio show, a monthly radio show. It's called Spiritual Common Sense, and it's on healthylife.net. You got it. You can listen to her radio shows either through that or on her uh, YouTube channel. Right. And you can hear Susan on my radio show mm-hmm. next month. <laughs> I think it's July 6th is when her, her interview will be airing. Uh, yeah, it's a good show. It's once a month. I, I keep it common sense wise. Obviously, it's spiritual based. Uh, self-love is the big, you know, the big uh, topic of conversation. But it's spiritual. It's common sense. I mean, I can go way out there. <laughs> and I've gone way out there. But truth of the matter is, if you want to make changes, there's a lot of common sense things you can do to make changes. I've done my past life, and I think they're very good to do. You were talking about that a little earlier. But uh, yeah, Spiritual Common Sense on HealthyLife.net every first Monday of the month. Great. Thank you so much, Joffrey. Thank you so much. And you guys, the book is a workbook. I recommend you do the work and get her book, The Heart of the Matter. Joffrey, thank you for the work you've done. Thank you for working through your personal traumas and grief so that you can be the light that so many other people need. Thank you so, so much, Joffrey. Well, thank you. You're quite brilliant, Susan, I must say. Thank you for having me. I had a wonderful time with you. Oh, thanks. So I'm just going to end with, and so it is, namaste. Well, that wraps up our empowering chat today. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, go to susanburrell.com. You can see all the information about my new book, Live an Empowered Life, A 30-Day Journey. You can also access guided meditations that I have on Insight Timer through the website and just see what else is out there on my site that you might find empowering and exciting to experience. You can also contact me through the website at Susan at SusanMorell.com. That's it for today. See you next time.